0: Our first question will go to the incumbent. How would you bring jobs back to the 14th district? That's a great question, Carl. Thank you for asking it. It's the first thing I think of when I wake up in the morning, and it's the last thing I think of when I go to bed. Jobs in North Carolina mean what? A strong North Carolina, and a strong North Carolina means a strong America, and that,
2: my friends, is how we're going to do it.
1: and welcome to the main event our post post post-republican debate show coming unscripted to you uh we're actually for those of you that are actually going out to the uh to the post-debate show in riverside uh we're we're actually in the studio recording beforehand so none of none of the opinions you're going to hear today are based on anything that larry elder or dennis prager say we're going to see how how they compare what we saw compared to uh uh to what everybody else saw. But but first we get in before we get into it and before I introduce my sidekick, let me introduce myself. My name's Ed Hoffman, President Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender located in the city of Marino Valley. Also offices in Downey, Westlake Village, Orange, Temecula and Corona to serve all of Southern California for all your real estate financing needs. If you are in, if you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing call me toll free at 855-640-2020 that's 855-640-2020 and for those of you that can't listen that fast 855-640-2020 if you want to talk to me but you don't want to talk on the phone you don't want me to hear your voice or you don't want your neighbors to hear your your uh, personal stuff while you're at work and you're stealing time from your boss wait till your lunch break and go on edhoffman.net. Click Apply Now and put all the information that you want me to know and let me know what kind of information you want to know from me, and you'll hear back from uh, myself or one of my teammates, Justin Clark, Alex Rojas, Randy Sampius, or Matt Bradbury, and we'll get you all taken care of. Uh, if you hear something you want repeated, you can hear. Uh, you can also go on edhoffman.net, click on Listen to the Main Event, hear this show as well as four past shows, or you can also get us on podcast at iTunes. Go to iTunes, search Ed Hoffman, and you can subscribe for free. Have a download to your iPad, your iPod, your iPhone, your iWatch, your computer, or whatever else you want. Um, Download once a week automatically. You can listen anytime you want. Also, get us on am590theanswer.com. They now have podcasts on there, including the main event. And uh, you can also read my weekly opinion pieces in the uh, columns in the IE Business Daily. So iebusinessdaily.com and uh click on the opinion tab and uh from the home page and that'll take you to my columns you can follow me at twitter if you don't want to wait to hear my opinionated rants all week or uh find our uh, our facebook page at uh, uh the main event 590 all right hey for uh, on mortgage news uh everyone was anticipating the feds were going to raise the interest rates on thursday they did not um i guess they voted 9 to 1 to not stir stir up anything that means they didn't have any guts to go where we need to go anyway and uh so rates are still good i think rates would have still been good even if they did that um because i think the bond market has anticipated the moral of the story is if you haven't refinanced or if you need to refinance and even if you've got a great rate you kind of want to mess up my good rate but i want to get some money i'll pay off some bills um do it now before the rates go up because they're going to go up at some point anyway and just call 855-640-2020. So, let's get on to the uh, debate in my in the studio with me as uh, as quite often my uh, my favorite sidekick Mr. Scott McAfee proprietor of Don's bikes in uh, Redlands and Rialto uh, Scott welcome back to the to the uh, to the house yo
2: Ed it's great to be back in the house so
1: uh, we had a we had a oh you had a you had a couple of, uh, of things you wanted to add before we get that you wanted to
2: mention Well a couple of we... things obviously Wednesday night's debate's going to be a big topic of our conversation today uh, there's so much going on in the world so many bad things going on in the world I thought maybe we could just start to show off a little joke. So I could use a laugh. Yeah. Okay. All right. Here we go. You ready? I'm ready. All right. So Jesus walks into a bar, sits down at the bar, looks around and sees that there is a Republican sitting down who's, who's blind. So Jesus gets up, walks over to him, puts his hand on him and cures him. The Republican looks at him and says, Jesus, thank you so much for restoring my sight. Jesus goes back, sits down at the bar, looks over his other shoulder and sees there's an independent voter who's deaf. So he gets up. Rests his hands on the independent voter, and the independent voter's healed. And the independent voter says, Jesus, thank you so much for restoring my hearing. Jesus goes back to the bar, sits down, looks at the far corner of the bar, and sees a Democrat who's crippled. So Jesus gets up, walks over to the Democrat, and the Democrat looks at him and says, Don't you lay your hands on me. I'm collecting disability. <laughs> that,
1: is, that is so... That is so- Stereotyping Democrats.
2: Oh, it is. Cause it that's, is
1: because that's what we do here. Because it's so true. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, hey, you know, talking about Democrats. Yes. See this uh, this article. Uh, apparently, this uh, Muslim teen. While we're talking about while we're talking about not Democrats, but while we're talking about you brought up. Uh, you know, Jesus and all that. I hate to make this a, a only one a one religion. We have to we have to we have to be all inclusive. We have to all include. And here's a here's a Muslim story that was in the paper today in Irving, Texas. A 14 year old Muslim boy became a sensation on social media Wednesday when he got an invitation to the White House after word spread that he'd been placed in handcuffs and suspended for coming to class with a homemade clock. Uh, that school official's thought resembled a bomb, so you know all you got to do is be Muslim and uh and make a homemade clock that looks like a bomb and Obama rolls out the red carpet and invites you to the white house isn't it great to be in this country
2: that's fantastic, and what's he doing going to school it? what is this homemade clock anyways? Was he trying to be funny or
1: I don't know because uh you know I've seen that movie uh uh the internship and nobody nobody even you know everybody sees the sees what time it is on their phone anyway.
2: Well, yeah, great. Um, well, that's kind of a nice tie-in to actually one of the things I did want to discuss, uh, and that is the Iranian nuclear deal. Obviously, this is something I was harping about and telling everybody to contact their senators and Congress people last time I was on the show. So, you were on with Larry Elder last week, and one of the things that he said that I found very disturbing was he said that the Iranian nuclear deal was more or less an inevitability; that it was this thing's going to happen. And I'm looking, going, how is this thing going to happen, Ed? We control both houses of Congress. We just got the Senate, a majority in the Senate. We were all excited about that and and it seems like this thing's just gonna happen and I'm like where are the voices on our side where the hell is John Boehner the Speaker of the House he's a pretty lousy Speaker since he is the Speaker of the House right speak John what about Mitch McConnell where are you Mitch uh, where are all these voices trying to stop this thing and it's kind of like well Scott you just and look I'm not saying I'm a Congressional or a Constitutional Scholar but but it seems like yeah if it was a treaty we could stop it but since it's a quote deal there's not much we can do about it so we're losing a war of semantics it's kind of like obamacare uh, going through the supreme court well you know we call it a tax so therefore it's constitutional even though the lawyers that were arguing on behalf of the government said it wasn't a tax uh but the supreme court said well we'll just call it a tax and therefore it is constitutional because it's unconstitutional to force you to buy a product and punish you for not buying it but it is constitutional to call it a tax so my point is how is this happening ed we've got a majority and and i swear it seems like like we didn't have a majority at all what, what's the difference
1: well you know it's uh what's funny is the old laws if if we considered it a treaty if we considered a treaty they needed two-thirds of the house and the senate to approve it and obama was calling it a an agreement or something else and i think that i think the republicans thought that by making changing the law so that they had to at least sign off on it um that they had to have a majority they thought they were they were they were bypassing Obama, trying to bypass them instead of standing firm on hate. When you make an agreement between us and another country, that's a treaty. And the constitution says two thirds of the Senate, two thirds of the, of the, of the house has to, has to approve it. And they just, the guy, I think we need, I think we need to clean house. I think some of the guys in the, in the
2: Congress and Senator are just too old. Well, you know, and it certainly makes you understand the anger that's fueling the campaign of Donald Trump. I mean, you look at the people's opinion on this this deal. 50% of people oppose it. 20% of people are in favor of it. And 30% are undecided. The point is that 30% aren't paying attention at all. They have no idea what it's even about. 20% are probably just... Misinformed, they'll and agree don't,
1: with anything that Obama says.
2: Either that, or they just don't know what's going on inside this deal. And but fifty percent—that's a huge number. There's a lot of Democrats, including your sister, in that number. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I, I just shake my head. It makes me sick. It's, it makes uh, me physically ill.
1: Even when we get to when we start talking about the uh, uh, the debate from last mm-hmm. night, that Rand Paul saying, "Hey, you know, we should, we should, uh, we should at least." let them have a chance to to verify and if they and if they don't comply how are you going to know if they comply the and and that was the one thing that was the one thing that i think uh, was donald trump that actually came out and said exactly what i was saying out loud in the living room how do you know if they're complying they're supposed to check themselves Hey, you know what? When we say, hey, it's time to inspect, there's a whole bunch of places where they call them military military installations that we can't look at. And then the other places that we can look at, we have to give them 24 days notice. We give them notice, and then there's some kind of waiting period, and they've got 24 days to let us in, and then they inspect themselves. How do we know if they're compliant? Yep, yeah, I'm compliant. You're fine. And, you know, it's... How naive can anybody be? I think... Uh, I think... I was. I was really... I shouldn't be surprised by that came out of Rand Paul's mouth.
2: Well, yeah, and I think, well, we'll certainly get to Rand Paul. We start talking about the debate. But the other thing, too, even if even if even if this deal would stop Iran from getting a nuclear bomb, which it won't. And anybody with half a brain is going to know that. But even if it did that, we're still giving them one hundred and fifty billion dollars. What do you think they're going to do with that money? Uh, nothing good.
1: Nothing good, and it's and we're not giving them money. We're un, we're un, we're unfreezing. We're allowing them to we're unfreezing have unfreezing their it. money. But, sure, but you can't you can't unwind that release once it's no out, when it's out. Oh, we're not going to put it back in that bank because the United States government will tie it up. I think uh, I think you just can't. You know, someone told me once you can't get a good deal from a bad guy, and you can't trust the the untrustworthy. And so many people in this country. Need to, need to learn that and realize that we're gambling on our kids and our grandkids' future and this country. And you guys need to have a voice. Well, yeah, Ed, yeah, I, I agree with you, but what can I do? I'm one person. Hey, Scott, you know, you tell me to, to do something with my congressman, but uh, yeah, I don't have time for that. Go to edhoffman.net. There's a whole list of all your Congress people and the two senators, and doesn't mean you have to be limited to California senators. You could tell, send anyone you want and get on their, their email addresses and their and their uh, phone numbers. And I know most of you probably don't want to take the time to actually call and talk to somebody, but click on that, on those email addresses and and draft something, draft something that says, "Are you stupid? We don't want this. We want America to be there for our, for our children, and it's just not going to be."
2: Well, I know one of the things I told you about last time I was on the show as well is that I am going to Israel next month. And part of the reason I want to go is to show support for Israel. We're going to fly on El Al Airlines, the Israeli airline, uh, spend nine days there. Um, And you remember how when Obama was first elected, how he went on this apology tour throughout the Middle East? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to go to Israel and have an apology tour for the president and this deal. Uh, I'm going to apologize to Israel that we're stupid enough to elect this person, that we're idiotic enough to allow these kind of deals to happen, and to show that, hey, look, there's a lot of people in the United States that have your back, that support you, and give us a couple more months and we'll get rid of this clown and hopefully get somebody good in office. And
1: apparently it's not the Jewish people, because the Jewish people primarily, as uh, Larry and I discussed last week, are primarily primarily Democrats. And even my sister, who uh, who cares more about Israel than she does about America, still can't Come to admit that voting for Obama was was a bad decision.
2: Well, I know. And and I know you want her to admit that. And I almost think that's the wrong question, because it's almost like asking somebody to admit they were stupid. Um, I think a better question is, hey, what do you think about the Iran deal now that it looks like it's going to happen? Uh, Do you think you'll vote Democrat again? Does this bother you? Because I know you told me that she was kind of holding out. Oh, Congress will shut it down. Don't worry, Ed. Congress doesn't look like it's shutting it down. It looks like it's going to happen. Nope. So They're I'd like I'd it. like to know what she thinks about that now.
1: I'll tell you I uh, I text her about her former boss Carly Fiorina um, late last night and oh.
2: um, did she watch the debate? I wonder. She did. Okay.
1: And I said, uh, your former boss clearly winner of last night's debate. She said Carly was good, but I wouldn't call her the winner. I think she would make a good VP. I like Christy, Rubio Bush and Carly. And I said she'd probably make a better president than anyone on stage. Christie is too into himself. He would have, we we have one of those. You voted for him. I was gonna throw that in. <laughs> Bush was too wimpy on immigration. Rubio just spouted out lines from his everyday speech last night. I like him, but I don't think this is his time yet. Carly, I think is maybe the next Margaret Thatcher of our time. And she said Carly's closing statement was a little corny. I like Chris Christie. He gets things done in New Jersey and works with all parties. Once you get elected, political party crap should be left at, at the door. That's why nothing gets done in government. Whatever.
2: Well, you know, the fact is went that on and on. But... I mean, I, again, I don't, does that mean your sister will vote Republican? I, I don't, don't know. I know my like... sister will. Which is which is a, a which is just absolutely earth shattering to me because she's as hardcore, much a Democrat as your sister is. So the fact that there's a few hearts and minds changing is a good thing for us.
1: Uh, that is true, but we've got a long way till November two thousand sixteen. Yes, we so do. Let, so let's talk about let's talk about the uh, the debate. Absolutely, debate was I think uh, you know it's it was good and I it, it was very good. I thought um, amazing to me. That the the polls that came out afterwards, Newsmax. Should we go over the polls first, or go over what we thought?
2: Oh heck, I don't know. I think uh, we are two of the most respected <laughs> political analysts in the world, so people are probably on the edge of their seat to want to know what we think.
1: Uh, yeah, that's probably that's probably it. Because Newsmax and uh, and Drudge had different results than I did. Okay, they well, were very cl- they were very close. According to their polls, what they thought uh, Trump won it. Um, I thought Trump was good. He said some stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. He, he clearly, you know, when they say if you can't dazzle him with brilliance, baffle him with uh, BS, mm-hmm. um, and it got to that point on Syria, which we'll talk about that line uh, in, a, in a couple of minutes. But Donald Trump on Newsmax, uh, Donald Trump forty six percent, Carly Fiorina twenty point one one, Marco Rubio nine point three, uh, Ben Carson nine point two. I thought Ben Carson missed a great opportunity to to blast himself. Uh, right up neck and neck with uh, Trump, he wasted it. Cruz, who I won't vote for because he's born in Canada, 5.67. Uh, John Kasich, who's a Democrat, uh, he shouldn't be on there anymore, 3.10. Chris Christie, who's clearly, clearly had an agenda of, this is the line I'm going to use all night tonight, 2.14. Jeb Bush, 1.45%. Oh,
2: my Just Lord. barely
1: above Rand Paul, who was a... He needs to get out of the race. Mike Huckabee, who I thought was great, not a viable candidate in my opinion. Um, just don't think he's the kind of guy we're going to elect. Uh, 1.04. And Scott Walker, who's in my top four now, um, was was one of my top three, uh, 0.041%.
2: Wow, that's pretty awful, actually, for Scott Walker, who is my guy, and we'll get to that certainly in a minute. Should we just take him down the line? Let's take him down the line. All right. Uh, so what we can do is, if we want, we'll take candidate by candidate, talk about the best moments, the worst moments. Start with whoever you want to start Okay, with. let's start with Donald Trump. Since he is the front runner going into this thing. Um, his best moments. Um his comments about birthright citizenship and how that's just nonsense I thought were really good in that. It was kind of interesting because Rand Paul sort of backed him up on that. Uh, the fact you can walk in you're pregnant, have a baby, and that baby is automatically a citizen that's due to all these uh, citizenship benefits, etc. Uh I thought calling himself humble as his uh, uh Secret Service name is was hilarious. Um uh, Austin had a pretty good point in the vaccinations, too, because, you know, he was saying, uh, talking about how vaccinations may be tied into autism. And initially, some of the doctors were like, well, there's no research to demonstrate that. But then on the same breath, Ben Carson talked about how pediatricians are actually scaling back on vaccinations, giving them less dosages over a longer period of time, which kind of tells you that Trump's was exactly, right.
1: It was exactly it was a that was a lucky Lucky shot in the dark. Hey, it still know, worked for him. You though. know, I spoke at the I spoke at the uh, tea party in uh, Banning, Beaumont, Cherry Valley last week, mm. and uh, w- as I talked about the different candidates, one one lady goes, "But Ben Carson wants to vaccinate everybody." I go, "Yeah." <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm saying you're gonna you're gonna that's make funny a after all based, this. That's what you walk away with. <laughs> based on no. There was a whole bunch of other stuff too. Oh, okay, um, but the uh, but wait. Based on vaccinations reminds me of my, what my sister said. She's not going to vote. She's going to vote for Obama versus Romney because my your guy doesn't want women's right doesn't want to let, have women have rights. Uh, hello. <laughs> You're going to base the president of the United States based on whether they're for giving people free birth control instead of having them pay nine dollars a month to get it, or uh, you know, going someplace where they give it for free anyway. Right. What did you like about Donald Trump, Ed? Um, Donald Trump, I liked. He was strong. Okay. I like. I liked his his line with on uh, on Rand Paul. Play that. Play his play his opening or his first question, his first question when he talked about uh, what makes him a uh, a viable candidate, and then uh, went to. He was all over the place, but I thought it was funny. He ended it funny.
0: First of all, Rand Paul shouldn't even be on the stage. He's number 11. He's got 1% in the polls, and how he got up here, there's far too many people. Anyway, as far as temperament, and we all know that, as far as temperament, I think I have a great temperament.
1: And then he went on to, and then uh, he, he starts talking about his temperament, and then Rand Paul gets a chance to answer.
0: I kind of have to laugh when I think, of, hmm, sounds like a non-sequitur. He was asked whether or not he would be capable and it would be in good hands to be in charge of the nuclear weapons and all of a sudden there's a sideways attack at me. I think that really goes to really the judgment. Do we want someone with that kind of character, that kind of careless language to be negotiating with Putin? Do we want someone like that to be negotiating with Iran? I think really there's a sophomore quality that is entertaining about Mr. Trump. But I am worried. I'm very concerned about having him in charge of the nuclear weapons because I think his response, his his visceral response to attack people on their appearance, short, tall, fat, ugly, my goodness, that happened in junior high. Are we not way above that? Would we not all be worried to have someone like that in charge of the nuclear arsenal? Jake, Jake the, Mr. Trump, I never attacked him on his look, and believe me, there's plenty of subject matter right there, that I can tell you.
1: I was driving home from the office to try to get there as fast as I could. I'm listening on the radio, and I was laughing out loud. I just I couldn't believe because you know every time that Don and I are watching it, she's going, "What is that on top of his head? Is he got a is
2: he got a poodle? Is he got his poodle sitting on top of his head? There's a critter up there. There's something. I, I know. And but I gotta say, I still think as much as my son thought it was pretty funny, I thought it was a little juvenile. Uh, I mean, there is a certain level of respect that goes along with the presidency, a certain air of distinction, and it's kind of like, really? This does sound kind of elementary school to me. Yeah,
1: but you know I'm a little juvenile sometimes. Well, me too. Because I like to have fun and do that kind of stuff, and right. every now and then it's fun to laugh a little bit, All right, and it was funny.
2: Worst moments about Trump, uh, telling Carly Fiorina she's a beautiful woman, that was so insincere, and it followed up on what I think is Trump's stupidest statement ever, uh, bashing Carly Fiorina about her face, uh, and is this the face you want uh, uh representing our country as the president obviously that was a reference to her looks uh for one thing it's not true i think she's actually an attractive woman but then again i think any woman that bashes the liberal democrat left is kind of sexy to begin with exactly you should hear my wife there you go yeah she's a i keep her i keep
1: her under wraps so she doesn't do that in public or else i'm gonna have to fight the guys off because she's sexy as hell when she does that nice so but the uh but you know what that's the one thing about trump is He's a smart guy, and you know him and him and Ben Carson both subscribe to the "I'm smart enough, I don't really need to know everything." Um, I don't need to know everything now, but I'll figure it out, and I'll surround myself with smart people, which I which I don't have a problem with. But having a little bit of background in some of this stuff is where Carly Fiorina shines so much. And but you know, there's some things that Trump just isn't used to having to be. To think about it, I mean, I know there's some things that come out of my mouth in in normal language during the day as I'm as I'm working and fighting the fight to get people's loans done. And I know when I'm sitting in the studio with the microphone in front of me, I just don't say certain words. And uh, Trump just isn't conscious of that, either. That or he, either that or he's joking around with the with the with the enemy, as they say in uh, Almost Famous. And when he's doing the Rolling Stone interview, and he says stuff, not realizing they're actually going to print it. But um, let's play. Uh, let's play the part where Carly re- reacts to that, and then Trump comes back and says the line.
3: You know, it's interesting to me. Mr. Trump said that he heard Mr. Bush very clearly, and what Mr. Bush said. I think women all over this country heard very clearly what Mr. Trump said.
1: Nailed him. N- nailed it, and she was totally just. Just shut up. Just don't say anything. There's no way you're gonna come back. To do it the classy way. And then Trump responded.
0: I think she's got a beautiful face, and I think she's a beautiful woman.
1: Yeah, that's that's not what you said in Rolling Stone there, Donald.
2: And did you see the look on fear in his face when he said that?
1: Yeah, she's like Yeah. Right. Yeah. I thought I thought she handled that awesome. Yep. And Trump just looked looked stupid. The biggest part that I had problem with, with Trump was they went into. They talked about Syria. Hugh had asked about going into Syria, and when Syria crossed the the in, the uh, the quasi line in the sand, mm-hmm. and and understand that Obama said, "Hey, if you use chemical weapons on your people, that's the line in the sand. If you cross that, we're coming to get you." And then then Assad uses chemical weapons on his on his uh, on his people, and we did nothing. And so they're they're talking about. If he, if he crossed the line in the sand, should he have done something? And there's three senators to your right that said that said uh, that stopped Obama from doing it. And uh, you know what was your opinion? We're out of time for part one. I guess we're going to talk about that on the on the beginning of part two. So don't go away. We're going to talk about a lot, the whole rest of the of the, uh, the debate that we've been dragging our feet and getting to. Don't go away. And welcome back to part two, of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, President, of Wholesale Capital Corporation your local direct mortgage lender. If you hear something that sounds like common sense on this show and you need mortgage financing, uh, talk to somebody who thinks like you do, 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net. We're talking about the debate from Wednesday night. I'm here with uh, Scott McAfee of Don's Bikes. We were just talking about Trump's stupidest moment when he's talking about Syria. Let's hear it.
0: Two years ago, President Obama drew a red line that the Syrian dictator Bashar Assad crossed President Obama threatened to strike. He did not. His knees buckled. We now have four million refugees. Syria is a living hell. And he turned to the Congress for the authority to back him up. You have three senators to your right who said no. Do they bear responsibility for this refugee crisis? And what would you have done when Bashir Assad crossed that line? Number one, I wouldn't have drawn the line. But once he drew it, he had no choice but to go across. They do bear some responsibility. But I think he probably didn't do it not for that reason, Somehow he just doesn't have courage. There's something missing from our president. Had he crossed the line and really gone in with force, and done something uh, to Assad. If he, if he had gone in you with tremendous force, you wouldn't have millions of people displaced. How much responsibility, Mr. Trump, do
1: the senators hold?
0: I think they had a responsibility, absolutely. I think we have three of them here. Senator Rubio? I think they had a responsibility, yes. Senator
1: you (coughs) you we have zero responsibility, because let's remember what the president said. He said the attack that he was going to conduct was going to be a pinprick. Well, the United States military was not built to conduct pinprick attacks. If the United States military is going to be engaged by a commander-in-chief, it should only be engaged in an endeavor to win. And we're not going to authorize use of force if you're not putting men and women in a position where they can win. And quite frankly, people don't trust this president as commander-in-chief because of that. You know what, if he drew the line and he went across it, then he should have gone in with, say, you know what, Obama didn't draw the line and cross it. He drew the line and, and Assad crossed it and then he should have done something it, it, sounded, it sounded like trump wasn't really sure what he was talking about
2: exactly <laughs> and
1: was just talking fast and talking about being strong and our you know it's it's always it's always easy to say say hey all you got if you want to get if you want to if you want if you don't know what to say talk about how how weak our president is
2: Right, exactly. He can always fall back on that one. Should we move on to yes, next one? Jeb. let's move on. Jeb. Um, I thought Jeb was boring and kind of scripted. He looked um, nervous. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I I question the fact. I know he's been so high on the polls, and I'm looking going, okay, who out there actually thinks this is the best guy on that stage with all that talent up there? I don't really get it. Uh, in all fairness, though, his best moment, I thought, was when uh, he mentioned his brother and how his brother kept us safe. I thought that was a pretty good moment. That was
1: a great moment. Okay, so let's go on. So okay. Jeb, Jeb was – Jeb was uh, Number two in the, was number two in the polls for a long time. Was number one in the polls for a long time. But I thought he, I thought he looked uh, weak, nervous, um, not very presidential. Um, he talked about being steady, and uh, I just, I just was
2: not inspired. Okay, uh, I think his worst moment was uh, when he got into that, inter- that exchange with uh, Ted Cruz about Justice Roberts. Uh, he said he thought he'd been doing a great job. Uh, Justice Roberts has probably made the worst judicial decision in history by allowing Obamacare to go through. So saying Justice Roberts was doing a great job, I don't know what he's talking about. I think even George Bush would acknowledge that that Supreme Court nomination was a mistake. You
1: know, when he did Obamacare, he made a comment at the end of at the end of his uh his narrative saying that this is something that shouldn't be taken up with the court should be taken care of at the ballot box, thinking that that was right before the re election that we were just gonna vote in Romney and I think that was a I think that was a cop-out and I think Robert should have said should have not said hey I'm gonna I'm gonna try and be politically correct and I'm gonna say something and let the voters fix this instead of us and let have me be the bad guy I don't I don't I think that was
2: wimpy well he fixed it good didn't he uh the other thing we learned was that Jeb Bush is a pothead uh let's move on to Marco Rubio Marco Rubio uh, best. He was great on Russia. He was great on Iran. He was great on climate change. Uh, we're not going to make it harder for Americans to, to earn a living for nothing. Uh, I thought he was great on gun control, uh, saying that criminals ignore the laws. Duh. That's why they're criminals. Uh, he was great when he said that we give more respect to the Ayatollah than the prime minister of Israel. Uh, there was no bad moments for Marco Rubio, in my opinion. Your, your take. I thought Marco Rubio
1: was spouting off the same lines that he says at every campaign stop. He sounded to me, he sounded scripted. Okay. He sounded like, Hey, this is the speech I give all the time. Um, sounded kind of like his, uh, his, his speech when he announced, um, I was waiting for him to say our, uh, our enemies aren't scared. Don't fear us. And our allies, uh, don't trust us. I was waiting for him to say that cause he says it all the time. Um, I was, you know, you know, I like Marco Rubio, I just don't think this is his time.
2: Okay, and maybe not. Maybe he's our vice presidential guy. I think that's a great role for him. Uh, Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz, born in Canada. He's
1: he's born in Canada. I'm not supporting him. Very smart guy. Very smart guy. Had some good moments. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. Since uh, since I decided I'm not supporting him because he's born in Canada and I'm not going to be a hypocrite, I just don't take him as seriously as I used to. I know there were some good some good moments.
2: Remind us. Oh well, I thought he was great on Iran. Uh, I, I when he talked about he will never surrender. Uh, he's willing to shut down the government to defund Planned Parenthood. He was one of the only senators trying to do the same thing to stop Obamacare because he's got guts. I didn't see that he really had any bad moments. He's very polished. He's very smooth. Um, I like Ted Cruz, as you know. He's one of my top threes.
1: I would. Uh, I do like Ted Cruz, but I just. I'm just you know, we've got so much talent there. If he was the only guy that we had mm-hmm. if he was you know, if, if we were the Democrats and we had Hillary or Bernie Sanders or or Joe Biden or Ted Cruz, right, I would probably be a hypocrite and uh and say, That's all right, he was born in Canada. You know, hey, we're gonna get some payback for Obama. But we got a lot of talent there and I don't think we have to go to and you know, for as long as I'm alive and uh almost fifty four years, um you had to be born in the United States to be president, and no one can tell me where, well, you know, that's not how it is, and then what were we talking about eight years ago?
2: All right. Fair enough. Uh Mike hugabee uh, I thought was one of the best speakers up there. If there was a best speaker award just in terms of delivery and speaking ability, uh, he was great. He's, uh,
1: always a, he's always a good speaker. He's a preacher. Yep. And, you know, he's a TV show guy after that, and... And I like Mike Huckabee, but I don't think he's ever going to be president. He had some great, great lines. Do we have any clips from Mike Huckabee?
0: I have a different idea. I think we ought to get rid of all the taxes on people who produce. Why should we penalize productivity? And it's why I'm an unabashed supporter of the fair tax, which would be a tax on our consumption rather than a tax on our productivity. In other words, you're not going to tax anybody for what they earn, whether it's a Worker who's working by the hour, or whether it's a hedge fund manager, if they can produce something and bring capital and labor to create jobs, we need some jobs. And I think the fair tax makes more sense.
2: I completely agree. I 100 agree as well. That was one of the highlights I had. Get rid of the IRS. Yep. Um, again, a great speaker. No breakthrough moment uh, no, for he, Mike Huckabee.
1: He had some. He had some great lines, but he didn't get enough lines to make a difference. And I don't. And I just don't think. I think he's like Rick Santorum. Hey, mm-hmm. you know what? Nice guy, but you're not gonna be president. Right. Sorry. There's only, only one there's only there's only been forty four people in the in our in, in two hundred and thirty seven years or two hundred and thirty nine years. So the fact that you're not gonna be president, don't
2: feel too bad. Exactly. I think there may be some other role for this guy to fulfill in our country's future. Or at least I hope so, because I like him. Uh, John Kasich, governor of Ohio. He needs to go home. Okay,
1: I agree. He's a, he's a Democrat. Well, you know <laughs> what? If I was watching on TV and saw this fighting,
2: I would turn the channel. He's a—he's—go home. I think my biggest problem with him was he was talking about the Iran deal and defending it as saying that, well, we can always slap the sanctions on them later if we find they're violating the rules. That's just not going to happen.
1: People are people are angry. Yep. We want somebody who's angry that's going to do something, not going to go, well, there's always a solution. Let's just, why don't we all just get along? We've been trying to get along. The Democrats have been destroying our country for eight years, and we need someone who's going to make some bold, fast, stern difference. And, you know, we've got the Senate, we've got the House, let's assume we're going to keep them. um Let's make. Let's take advantage of that and turn around this country while we have the chance.
2: Yep, and he and he's got a lot of political experience, but I think people are looking for some kind of new and fresh. Uh, Rand Paul.
1: Rand Paul. <laughs> he needs to go home. <laughs> okay. He needs. He, you know, his. He's he's an isolationist. Yep. He doesn't think we should do anything. Let it. Let it. Let Syria and ISIS fight each other, and you know, then we can go in up and mop mop the mess up. I don't think that's working.
2: Well, you know, the the good things about Rand Paul, uh, no payroll tax, a flat tax. I'm in favor of all that. Uh, again, he wouldn't scrap the Iran deal. Didn't like that. What's awful about Rand Paul is that he's a libertarian, just like his
1: dad. No, you know, that's the good thing about Rand Paul is he's a libertarian, because economically, the libertarians are the—domestically, for libertarians are the—, for domestically, libertarians are the- or the most conservative you can get. Hey, protect our borders yep. and enforce the laws and leave us the hell alone for everything else.
2: Well, and, and I agree. And I think that when you talk to a libertarian, you're going to agree with them on 80% of the issues. And then all of a sudden, if you talk to them long enough, you're like, wait a minute, what you just said doesn't make any sense. For example, well, we don't really have the authority to go in and kill Osama bin Laden because that's going into a sovereign country without authority. And I'm like, yeah, you might be right, but we're going to go in there and kill him anyways.
1: I thought, I thought there's no rules in love and war.
2: Well, I, yeah, I, I guess not.
1: And, and also... Uh, but, you know, immigration is an act of love. Yeah, well... Illegal I, immigration is an act of
2: love. <laughs> well, that's so. what Jeb said. Um, uh, talking about pot, uh, you know, hey, there's a real uh, racial outcome of the war on drugs. I thought his answers on legalizing marijuana were lame, and that just goes along with that he, libertarian he- stuff. Then he, threw, then he threw
1: Jeb under the bus. Yes. Now now Barbara Bush is going to be so disappointed in she Jeb. She
2: will. She will. Maybe Jeb needs to smoke more pot or something. Else. I don't know. Anyways, uh, Chris Christie. Chris Christie had an agenda. Yeah. I thought he did good overall. Uh, I mean, the thing I liked about him when he said as a prosecutor he would prosecute Hillary Clinton on stage, I like that. Uh, and I'm sure he probably would if he was going to be in that position, which he won't be. But he was pretty solid on most issues. I thought he had a great introduction, uh, having them put the cameras on the people. Uh, this election's about you. I thought yeah. that was really good. Do you have that opening, Dan?
1: Hi, my name is Chris Christie, and I'd like you to take the camera off me and put it on the audience because I'd like to ask all of you: How many of you raise your hand? Believe that in today's Barack Obama America, your children will have a better life than you've had. You see, that's why I'm running for president. Because leadership is not about me; it's about our country. And what we talk about tonight is not about us. It's about the people in the audience tonight. Because in seven short years, this president has stripped away their trust and their faith and their belief that the next generation will have a better life. He's stolen that from us. And when I'm president, I'm going to take it back. Yeah, well, I think, I think, I think that was his theme. Do you, have the, do you have the clip where he says, hey, uh, uh, Trump and uh, Fiorina, quit talking about you guys and how successful you are. We're talking about the middle class. Dan will come back with that in a second, but you know, I, I thought his, his, his theme, it's like, Hey, I'm going to talk You know, I'm going to talk about, it's all about you guys. It's all about you guys. That was his theme. You know, it doesn't come across as being real as unscripted as, you know, when I, when I hear Trump talk, Trump talks, from his, from his heart. He just says what's on his mind. Sometimes he, sometimes he says stupid stuff, but it's coming out of what, you know, he's didn't, nobody wrote that for him. When I listen to Carly Fiorina, she believes it. Chris Christie to me, just like Rubio was scripted. He, they practiced what they were going to say and they were looking for opportunities to say it and i want I want a president who's real that doesn 't need a teleprompter that can talk you know that 's what I loved about Rudy Giuliani. He never talked with a with a teleprompter. He had index cards with bullet points and he just spoke from his heart and you know once the more you hear Rudy Giuliani, what a great president he would have made, but he 's not running. Uh, just kind of like Newt Gingrich. And um, so Chris Christie, he's right in the same category with Rand Paul and uh and <laughs> you, want him to, you want him to go home. He needs to go home.
2: Okay. Uh, go home, Chris Christie, and don't hug Obama anymore. I'm sorry I had to say that. Uh, ben Carson. Uh, like the flat tax, liked some of his comments on immigration. He talked about fences that he could go th- over as a child is what's basically defending us from illegal immigrants coming over from south of the border. I thought that was pretty telling. Um, you're, what do you like about Ben Carson? I, I
1: like I, I like everything about Ben Carson except for he missed an opportunity. I really like who Ben Carson is. I had a chance to meet him, and I know uh, when we talk, when we talked to Larry Elder, he had just met him a couple days before we talked last week. Ben Carson is a real— Guy, I like I like him. He speaks from the heart. He speaks very logical, um, and most everything he says, I'm in agreement with. Um, I don't like that he was he missed the opportunity to inspire somebody last night and and get mad. You know, I, I was you know I was I was told, hey, you know if you can't if you can't get excited, happy, get excited, mad, and otherwise you can't do anything. You're not going to accomplish anything if you're not if you're not excited, positive or negative, nothing's going to happen. And that's what america is looking for they're looking for someone who's 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 got some hey you know i like the energy when uh jeb bush going on with with trump and he's actually fighting him back hey good energy i like that that's exactly it the energy and and i just think that's who ben carson is but when you put him next to some of these other guys there's no energy, and he just—I think he missed a big opportunity last night.
2: And what you're saying is energy is contagious. Uh, so yeah, I get that. Uh, what didn't I like about Ben Carson? Uh, raising the minimum wage—that's a stupid idea. As a business owner, trust me, that's a mistake. Um, not using the military to go into Afghanistan after 9/11. Uh, talked about maybe we should have used our heads instead of our military might. That's absolutely
1: uh, the wrong. That that's that is. That's wussy.
2: Yeah, well, not only that, but I think 95% of the American people wanted us to do something militarily. We wanted revenge. We wanted to make sure this never happened again, and we wanted to punish the people who were responsible for this. So I think he was kind of off base there. Uh, he said, well, we should have just lessened our dependency on foreign oil. There wasn't a whole lot of oil in Afghanistan. I think we basically threatened the Taliban with annihilation unless they turned over Bin Laden. They still didn't do it, so we did go in there and pretty much clean their clocks. Um, And just coming back to the energy thing too that you were talking about earlier, he just seems a little sleepy.
1: Yeah, the uh, I think you know what 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 is epidemic in all these guys, knowing what we know now. I mean, they typically dump this on Bush uh, because it was his brother that brought us into into war. Knowing what we know now, would you have gone in? Hell, yes, I would have gone in. Nobody has the nobody has the guts to say, hell yeah, I would have gone in. They had weapons of mass dr- destruction. They were harboring the terrorists. We told them if the, that we're going after the terrorists and the and the governments that harbor them and protect them, and we went in after that, and the weapons of mass destruction. New York Times even published it. We found them in 2014. We didn't find them back then, before we uh, came, before we were the the war was over.
2: I think that but, was on page 35 of the New York Times, wasn't it, Ed?
1: And but but all those guys on stage know it, but nobody has the guts to say it because I guess the American voter is stupid, and we don't want to say something that they won't understand.
2: Well, exactly. All right, I um, just assume
1: just tell the truth.
2: Yep. Yep. Uh, Scott Walker. um Limp. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I like Scott Walker. He's my guy. Uh, why? Because he has the, the biggest, best track record of anybody on that stage in terms of actually fighting against the political left with all of its money and all of its might and winning. Nobody else has that track record. I'll admit in the debate. Yeah, wasn't that strong. Um, I thought he was good at articulating his record. He was uh, limp. All right all right uh, minimum wage hike is a lame idea I'm right with him on that he says he has a plan to repeal Obamacare I like that uh, the fact he said Obama's made us unsafe uh, the bad uh, he had the least amount of time of anybody up there so that that's because he's limp uh- <laughs> you know what the the people who wanted it got it all right because they, they had to fight for it
1: they had to fight for it and and I love Scott Walker I love what he did in Wisconsin I think he's I think he's got a tremendous track record um, I just you know what? um Trump was Trump was was thrown out thrown out numbers that nobody knows where where Trump got them you're losing 2 billion dollars a year at your state I don't know if that's true last I heard they had a surplus over there because he turned the whole state around and and really turned the state around by by fighting the public the the government unions and did a tremendous job in in Quite frankly, we should do that in California. We should do it in every state. If it works in Wisconsin, work in the country. And and watch the wasted money go away and watch this country get financially s- stable again. But he was just weak last night.
2: He didn't really counter what Trump said very well either. So, yeah, I'll admit, uh, not a great night for Scott Walker. He needs a good five-hour
1: energy before the next one.
2: I think so. But I'll tell you who did have a great night was Carly Fiorina. Carly
1: Fiorina, the Iron Lady. Yep. And you know what? I predicted it last week, and I predict, I've been predicting it for weeks because I think she's awesome. Um, I just don't know that I want a woman for president, but she, I have seen everywhere I've seen her speak and
2: everything on TV, she's never off. She doesn't miss a beat. She's never off. And also she controls the message because I've seen her interviewed by hostile media. She's very good at, at not getting uh, trapped into some kind of gotcha question. Um, the good. Uh, she had the most powerful line of the whole night. Uh, do we have that line from Carly
1: yeah, Fiorina? This is the most, moving, the most moving part of the whole. If you, know, if you, didn't, if you didn't feel on this, check your pulse.
3: Anna, I'd like to link these two issues, both of which are incredibly important, Iran and Planned Parenthood. One has something to do with the defense of the security of this nation. The other has something to do with the defense of the character of this nation. You have not heard a plan about Iran from any politician up here. Here's my plan. On day one in the Oval Office, I will make two phone calls, the first to my good friend Bibi Netanyahu to reassure him we will stand with the State of Israel, the second to the Supreme Leader to tell him that unless and until he opens every military, and every nuclear facility to reel anytime, anywhere inspections by our people, not his, we, the United States of America, will make it as difficult as possible to move money around the global financial system. We can do that. We don't need anyone's cooperation to do it. And every ally and every adversary we have in this world will know that the United States of America is back in the leadership business, which is how we must stand with our allies. As regards Planned Parenthood, anyone who has watched this videotape, I dare... Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, to watch these tapes. Watch a fully formed fetus on the table, its heart beating, its legs kicking, while someone says we have to keep it alive to harvest its brain. This is about the character of our nation. And if we will not stand up and force President Obama to veto this bill, shame on us
2: hard
1: to talk after that
2: wow i got chills again there it happened again uh i know when i heard this for the first time i look over my wife and it looked like she had tears in her eyes i'm getting all choked up as well it's funny because you texted me uh the same thing <laughs> that it brought you to like tears yeah i
1: could uh i i don was sitting on the couch five feet from me and i just pointed at the tv and just kind of gave her a hand signal and she just looked back and like i could tell she couldn't talk either neither neither of us neither one of us wants to admit that that our eyes drip ever uh for anything because we're we're tough we're tough people. We don't we don't cry at movies or any of that stuff. And we certainly don't get sentimental about this country.
2: No, definitely not. Um Except for look, when we do. Yep. Uh, she Every was, day. She, she was great. You got to give her an A plus. Uh, I learned a lot about Carla Fiorina, two things I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know she'd lost a child to drugs and I thought that was a very powerful answer to Rand Paul, who was like talking about legalizing marijuana and you don't want to take that medicinal marijuana away from some child that's terminally ill and, you know, pulling out some kind of like weird case example. Um, she had a very powerful response saying that she had lost a child, uh, to drug addiction. Um, also, I got a great... This is one of the things that, that I had really given me pause about Carly Fiorina's. why did she get fired from HP if she was so great? And I thought she gave a very good answer. And this was part of what she uh, she said when she came back at Trump. Um, the things, you know, obviously were difficult at that time. The, you yeah, had the big dot-com bubble burst. Uh, she was part of that. And also, apparently, even according to your sister, she just didn't fit into necessarily the culture at HP but what she did say that I thought was fascinating is that the guy who's responsible for firing her took out a big full page ad in the paper saying that firing her was a mistake and that she'd make a great president. You heard that part.
1: Oh absolutely and, and uh and and I know because I, I've built the business from scratch from, from me and then to me and one guy, then me to two guys. And, and now we've got 170 employees and it's still not a gigantic company, but we're doing very well. And we've, but we've come through in the last uh, 20 years a lot of, a lot of ups and downs in the market. And for those of, for for those of you that don't remember, there was a dot-com bust around, uh, 2001 or two when, uh, Enron went out and, uh, Tyco and, uh, uh, WorldCom and a whole bunch, a whole bunch of the, you know, the NASDAQ lost 80% of its value. And when that happens. When that happens, and part of it was they were cooking the books and making the Nasdaq go higher, and part of it was just it was everything was overinflated because the emotion of the stock market and the Nasdaq. And when the stock price goes from uh, fifty bucks to twenty-five bucks, and maybe it went from a hundred bucks to to fifty bucks, but it cut in half. When the when the stock price cuts in half, somebody's somebody has to answer to the stockholders, and if she's the one that got fired, okay. That happens sometimes, and uh, and she made a mention that Steve Jobs called her and said, "Been there, done that, twice." And if you've read Steve Jobs' book, he got forced out of uh, forced out of his own company, Apple, at one time. One time, and then he started a company called Next. And, uh, and he got forced out of that. And then, uh, and then he, uh, went, they hired him back at Apple. And, you know, that's part of, that's part of corporate America. That's part of it. That's part of the uh, process of building a company. And hey, you know what? A whole bunch of people lost their jobs. That's part of the cycles of corporate America as well. And, uh, everybody wants to say, well, look, you got fired from, from Hewlett Packard. I think Carly is the Iron Lady. And whether or not I'm ready for a woman, woman president, um, right now she's, she's, She's number one in my book right
2: now. Really? Okay, because I was going to ask you the question. I would be remiss if I did not ask you this question, Ed. If you got to pick one right now, who's it going to be? If who's I, it going to be, Ed? You know what? I, I like,
1: I like you know, if Donald Trump keeps evolving like he does, um, he's not going to lose his, his steam. Um, but he still keeps doing stupid stuff. But Carly Fiorina, clearly the smartest lady on there, and she's tough.
2: Okay. So is Who's that your day? number one? Uh, Scott Walker. I'm sorry. I'm, Still? Staying, with, I'm staying with Walker. Yeah. Still? He's got the track record. I don't care what he does in debates. He has the track record. Uh, I feel very comfortable with him as the president. Hey, we're going from the
1: studio straight over to Riverside to uh, see uh, see the post-debate show with, uh, with Larry Elder and Dennis Prager. And we're going to see if they agree or disagree. And uh, for those of you that are out there, we'll see. Well, you'll hear this two days after you're there. But anyway, uh, thanks for listening to the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman and I'll be back again with you next week.